Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. And welcome. So excited to have an incredible panel here today. We've got Renee Roland of Pawpack, Ellen Dent of Animal Alliance Network, and Adita Bernkret of New York Class talking about the dangers of wet markets. You know, when this whole coronavirus pandemic started, we, uh, a lot of people, were pointing the finger at China. Oh, China has got a problem with the wet markets. Not even knowing that there are hundreds thousands of wet markets here in the United States. Adita, you're in New York City. Tell us about the problem in New York City. I mean, the the most famous city in the world when it comes to wet markets, which are really retail slaughter markets, where they slaughter on site and then they hand the carcasses to people uh, and what those dangers are, in your opinion. Yes, Jane. So these really are mini slaughterhouses located right smack dab in the middle of neighborhoods, in most cases, highly populated neighborhoods. We have over 80 just in New York City alone. We have, as far as I know, the highest number of these live animal slaughter markets in the country. So we have over 80. Most of them are located in the Bronx, Queens, Brooklyn, in highly populated neighborhoods often just inches from people's doors and windows. So you can imagine not only the quality of life problems that brings, but the real health hazards, because often there is blood, feces, body parts, littering the public sidewalks that people have to go through. Residents tell us the smell is unbearable, especially in the summer. Um, hearing the cries of the animals um, and just the greater risk of um, these, that the markets pose the way they're operating. Um, there, many of the animals in there are sick and diseased, as has been discovered from when they were rescued and given vet care. So in many cases, these are very sick animals that are kept in these cramped, overcrowded conditions, different species of animals, which experts say is just a recipe for um, a disaster. They're breeding grounds for infectious diseases and future pandemics that are zoonotic in nature because that's how they happen. They jump from animal to human. And we have all these different species kept in these sick, unsanitary conditions. Then we have workers, we have the public, we have the slaughtering going on. And this is how these viruses start. They they can mutate, they jump into humans, and then we have pandemics. And as um, Dr. Michael Greger has said, you know, the next deadly pandemic we have could start from a live animal market in New York City or another city, not just in China or other places that we're pointing the fingers. We need to turn the finger inward at ourselves, at what we're doing in our own country, in our own cities, and we desperately need to make these changes because it's a life or death situation. And while we're all talking, I urge everyone to share this out because really at the end of the day, and that means everybody on the panel too, when somebody else is talking, share it to your Facebook page. At the end of the day, this is a consumer issue. If consumers stop walking into these places and buying these animals on this sort of bizarre idea that, oh, if you kill them on site and hand them to me, that's somehow better. I mean, both are bad. We don't need the... uh, 
the slaughterhouses that kill 10,000 pigs a day. We don't need these uh, small retail slaughterhouses scattered in highly dense, densely populated areas that are killing all sorts of animals together. Yes, just like in China. And, you know, there's been some conspiracy theories about where this started, that it started in a lab in China. That's been discredited. The fact is that the people who first got sick got sick uh, at that wet retail slaughter market in Wuhan, China. And uh, while the Chinese government came out later and said some of the scientists, oh, no, the uh, slaughterhouse was a victim too. This is months later uh, because we did some testing. We didn't find animals with, no, because those animals were killed and consumed at the moment that it happened. So, you know, this is what, and, and obviously that was, to me, when I read that, that was just the Chinese government basically giving these facilities a pass because they're popular in China and it's a political issue. Indeed, even when they said that they were closed down, there were um, news reporters who would go up to these markets and see that, no, they weren't exactly closed down. It was just that they had uh, security guards preventing the media from going in. So the, the, everything is highly politicized when it comes to information about this. So I would like to go to uh, Ellen Dent of Animal Alliance Network. You are on the ground in Los Angeles and environs. What do you see, Ellen, when you are on the ground in the streets vis-a-vis wet markets? Uh, well, I haven't really been in the streets per se. Uh, we've been uh, mostly quarantined here other than a few protests and a couple of vigils. Uh, but I'm actually working uh, with the Slaughter Free Los Angeles campaign. Um, so uh, part of Slaughter Free Cities. And uh, what we're trying to do is get these live markets to shut down because we don't want to have a pandemic start in our city. And so uh, several cities uh, like New York, uh, Slaughter Free New York, uh, Slaughter Free Chicago, where the, it all started, Slaughter, Slaughter Free Milwaukee, uh, they are all, you know, combining together forces to help stop these markets from being open. And uh, we've actually had activists, uh, much like in New York, that have gone to these live markets and seen what's going on there. And, uh, you know, in New York, uh, they've even been able to collect samples and uh, do testing in Chicago as well. Uh, so we're, we're, on the, we're on the ground, too, as well out here with our activists. And they're going into these places and uh, getting footage. And it's, it's really unbelievable that this is allowed to go on and that the inspection reports that we received uh, from these places say that they're, you know, Get, getting A's on, on reports, um, especially the ones that Renee showed me. She's been in this a lot longer than I have. But, you know, it's really just anything that we can do to help prevent the next pandemic from happening uh, right in our cities. So everybody needs to step up and do their part, um, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, getting out there and, and doing a protest or, you know, going into one of these live markets and seeing what's happening in there and, and documenting that or uh, writing into their city council or calling in and just letting them know, letting their representatives know that this is something that is not acceptable to have in their cities. It's not acceptable to hurt these animals. It's not acceptable to have them in these horrible conditions. And it's absolutely unacceptable to have a pandemic start in their cities that they represent. 
Well said, Ellen Dent. Renee Rowland of Paw Pack. Legislation is also part of the picture. I mean, if consumers just stopped going in and buying uh, lambs and uh, chickens and all sorts of other animals, ducks and uh, turkeys and all these other animals that are being slaughtered on site and it's and sheep uh, it's it's horrific i've seen the video it's it's uh, rabbits it's it's a bloodbath and then you have the blood and you have the feces and you have the eyeballs and you have all of that and then you have the consumers tracking in their goods and there was one particularly grotesque photo of somebody with a bloody hand having just slaughtered an animal taking uh, money, cash from a customer, and and just looking at his one hand, you could see how this could be a huge problem. A lot of different animals in a close confinement with slaughter happening on site, retail people, meaning people going in and out, in and out, in and out. Um, how is, I don't even know how this is being allowed to continue in New York and California, for example, two supposedly progressive um, leading uh, regions when it comes to advancement, whether it's technological or financial, that this medieval practice is happening. And by the way, we invite anybody who runs a retail slaughter market on anytime. We would love to engage with you. We don't even blame the folks who run these. They're part of a system. It's a system that is really at its core, uh, toxic, because it's based on killing, killing, killing. So, Renee, where do you come in with Paw Pack? Well, now, I'm new as chair since the last year and a half, but Paw Pack is 40 years old, and uh, about three decades ago, began to address this issue in San Francisco, where our, one of our co-founders lived, Virginia Handley, and, uh, you know, there was just uh, 15 years of advocacy and explaining the cruelty. Uh, the discussion at that time was about cruelty and biodiversity, both of which are totally valid now. Of course, pandemics were not on the radar at that time. So in the year 2000, PAWPAC was able with uh, Assemblymember Sheila Kuehl at the time to at least get a bill and a law made for the humane slaughter of the animals. But guess what? It defines animals as frogs, turtles, and wild birds. And it specifically excludes poultry. So we, we came that far in 2000, and we are still working on it. Now we, uh, we have gone to the state. That's as far as we got at the state level. So we had a relationship with uh, council member Paul Caretz on the LA City Council and we said hey there's an open door here let's let's take it I mean PAWPAC is a state committee but LA is a big part of this state 10% of it so uh, yeah he and his co-sponsor Bob Blumenfield introduced a motion last April just a couple months ago um, to for all animals in the markets to, to have no living animal consumed are sold for consumption in the city of Los Angeles. And I think this is really uh, quite exemplary because so many of the times we find that wildlife is the issue. You know, wildlife is what we're focused on, but we know about all these avian influenzas and about how they can reemerge. 
And one of the interesting things that I learned in studying our markets in Los Angeles, of which there are about 23 to 24 in the city limits, but there's about 39 or 40 that we've so far identified in the county, um, quail are a big uh, staple because of the eggs. And they are like little battery hens, but you can keep so many more in these battery cages uh, because they're small. And this quail egg industry is huge. And then the markets also sell mallard ducks and, of course, the chickens. And studies have shown how, you know, the bat was the intermediate, vir uh, the intermediate host of the virus in this pandemic. Well, quail mm -hmm. can be the intermediate host of some of these avian influenzas, namely H2N2, which killed millions of people back in 1957 and forward. And they become the intermediate host between the mallard ducks and the chickens. And they all coexist in our markets. And you know, it's a little different than New York in that the markets here don't seem to be right on the uh, street. They're in little tough corners and places but they do are also on the street but we don't find the the animal fluids right on the sidewalks they're in the alleys and then the the residents of course they live in apartments that are all uh nested into those alleys um we urge everybody uh that is you know this is a global issue so it's not just about la no matter new york la chicago philadelphia uh, any one of these can be the hot spot for the next pandemic. So if you would, I'm going to see, I don't know if you can see, but this says pawpack.org, and that's what the website looks like. And there's a quail there. You click on it, and it will take you to the council page, our campaign page, where we're asking everybody to write to the LA City Council. We've already gotten letters in worldwide and they they don't they don't mind where you live because they know it's a global issue, and and there's a nice portal. We have a a page with talking points that you can click and copy talking points if you don't know what to say, but if you do know what to say or if you're representing an organization, your letter on letterhead will be Got fantastic. It. So go to pawpack p a w p a c dot org. And sign this legislation because you know what happens in L.A. spreads to the rest of the country and then the rest of the world. It would be huge if we got live, wet retail slaughter markets wiped out in L.A. and New York. And we've got L.A. and New York represented here. Um, that would go a long way to um, solving this problem because I think it's like a house of cards. The rest would go. We've got a caller on hold. Sarah, your question or thought? Hey, everybody. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate you. And I wanted to ask a question and also make a comment about getting some advice from the panel. My Go sister ahead. posted on Facebook on Saturday night. I happened to be out doing activism. Out. Of course, I was wearing my mask and social distancing, but I happened to look at Facebook, and my sister had posted that she had a bacon-roasted pork something and some mac and cheese and all sorts of like her husband's recipe. And I feel like these, the, the reason why these people get caught in this is it's like the tradition of it. And it was like her husband's recipe and then everybody commented and I made a comment. I tried to be nice about it, but I made a comment and I said, I 
just hope that you would make this in a plant-based version, you know, and it wouldn't cause cancer. And that's all I wrote. But it really hurt me, and I've been torn, and I don't know what to do, and I just don't understand why I get the connection and why so many people don't and why they're turning a blind eye to it at this point, because at this point it's 2020, and I feel like they know what's going on, sort of. But I don't know. Maybe I also wanted to ask if Ellen could talk about that journey that um, Raven and them made, the 500-mile journey the other day. But, yeah, I just wanted to know what you would say for that. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for calling. And I think we've all had those experiences where we try to get through to our relatives and uh, close friends, and it hurts more than anyone else when we can't get through to them. And I just want to say that I've come to the conclusion there are 7.8 billion humans on this planet. We shouldn't expend all our energy on going to the people who are least likely to change and most resistant because... Um, studies show that the more you know a person, the more they're likely to take the suggestion or criticism personally and become defensive. And that it's a lot easier for somebody to convince a stranger or a casual friend like a neighbor than it is to convince somebody you have a close relationship with. So um, one of the truths is that people are on their journey and we can only do so much. I would say take all that energy you're using to try to convince your sister to adopt a compassionate plant-based diet, especially, um, you know, for all those Americans who say they love animals because uh, millions and millions and millions of Americans are uh, doting uh, dog and cat uh, companions. And uh, just go, to, go, go take that energy and put it somewhere else. Don't put it on your close relatives. It is draining It's depressing, and ultimately, it's the least likely candidate for having a successful outcome because of the psychological connection. All right. Now, um, I want to get to the other issue that Sarah raised, which is absolutely important, about the 700-mile undercover investigation that was done by Direct Action Everywhere following a pig from the breeding facility in Utah all the way to a slaughterhouse in California. And we're going to take a short break on Voice America Radio. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance, featuring Dan Clark, the modern-day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet who are using their influence to change the world. From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right. Welcome back to Voice America Radio at Facebook.com slash Jane Velez Mitchell. We are talking to a, a trio of incredible activists who are giving it their all to get wet markets, retail slaughter markets that are all across the United States and the world, frankly, uh, closed in light of the fact that we are suffering from a pandemic, which is a zoonotic disease, which means it jumped from animals to people. And it first was spotted at a wet slaughter market in Wuhan, China. When I say spotted, I mean uh, the people who were getting sick had been at that wet market. There's all sorts of conspiracy theories and controversies about where it originated, but nobody disputes the fact that this is a zoonotic disease. And it's believed to have jumped from bats to possibly pangolins. And a part of the problem with these wet markets is that um, there, there are tons of different animals, often wild animals mixed in with domestic animals. They are stressed. They are being essentially tortured. They have been ripped from the wild. They are put in cages. They're terrified. As they're under stress, their immune system breaks down. They get sick. They develop the disease, and then it jumps to people. Now, uh, wildlife have a much different situation because they're not mass-produced than, for example, pigs, chickens, etc. that who, 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 who are mass-produced, forcibly raped into existence by the billions. We raise and kill 9 billion um, in the United States, 70 billion worldwide every year of these sentient beings who are just like uh, little Rico here or whatever, whoever you have at home whom you love. So um, one of the things we're talking about is, you know, we see how horrible this pandemic is. It's destroying the economy, leaving thousands of people out of work, killed uh, approximately 147,000 Americans, more than wars we fought, and the death toll is rising. It doesn't appear to be going away, certainly, uh, because we're not really taking the kind of precautions that we really need to. I mean, right here where I live in Los Angeles, I would say 60 to 65% of the people are not wearing masks that walk by. <sighs> what do you say? You know, it's not that complicated, as one of the experts said. Wear a mask when you're outside. Keep your social distance. Wash your hands as soon as you get home. And yet we appear unable to make those sacrifices. So what we're also talking about is the threat of another pandemic. Because I want to say this, and it's a great series um, on um, great courses, which I think you can get via Amazon. Uh, and it talks about the Black Death in the 14th century. Half, half, one half of all the people in Europe were killed by the plague. Okay, so it was like the 1340s, 50s, that area. 
And it lasted six years. And it came back with regularity. A couple of decades after, a couple of decades, the last great plague in Europe was in 1669 in London, the Great Plague of London. I mean, this is a nightmare. And what causes it? They are zoonotic diseases. They started with animals and they jumped to humans in the Black Death and here. But what we're facing now, Adida, is we're facing factory farming, which is a relatively new phenomenon where hundreds of thousands of animals are packed into these giant warehouses where they never see the sky, they never touch grass. They are, they've been described as concentration camps for, for animals and uh, frankly, that's, that's exactly what they are. In fact, now that they can't send them to slaughterhouses because the slaughterhouses uh, are uh, coming down with their, their hotbeds of COVID-19, they're gassing them all and killing them all right on site. And this is why a lot of farmers who are really factory, factory operators now, they're also indentured servants, they're also a slave to the system, put in horrible loans, et cetera, et cetera. They want out. They don't want to do this. We've had a couple of instances in the last couple of uh, days where farmers have reached out and said, come and take my animals and helped carry the animals to the trucks and even described it as a liberation. So they're not evil people necessarily. They're people trapped in a terrible system. Adida, your thoughts on this? Yes, I think you're right. I think it is a system. Many people feel trapped in it, and there is some great work being done to transition people. Um, I know there's been work being done by groups and organizations to transition dairy farmers um, out of the dairy farming industry and into plant-based because, look, that is the way of the future. And I just want to jump in on what you were, the point you were making earlier about the pandemics. According to the Centers for Disease Control, the leading candidate for the next pandemic is a bird flu virus that is a hundred times deadlier than COVID-19, and it's called H7N9. And Dr. Michael Greger spoke about that pandemic risk in this, the now this video that just came out a few days ago that exposes um, the risk, the deadly risk of wild animal markets, and it's at 7 million views right now on Facebook, which is amazing. But we need to learn from history, like you said, um, the 1918 pandemic, which again originated from a bird flu, that killed 50 million people. So we have the blueprint. We know the risks. We know that we're continuing to do something that is a terrible risk. And if we don't learn from history and make these changes, um, I don't know what the future of life on Earth will be because this could just be... um, the beginning of more, you know, and like I said earlier, the next pandemic could be, could start from a, uh, a wild, a live animal market in my own city, just a few miles from me where I live in Queens. And the fact that we're allowing this to go on, it can't happen. And in New York city, we have legislation pending, which would be by far the most far reaching in the country that would immediately shut down operation of all of the live animal slaughter markets in New York. And we've really been for the past few months pushing hard to get support for this, to pass this, because if we can pass it in New York, then we can pass the legislation in California. We can pass it throughout the country. Um, This would make a real dent in um, sort of 
evolving out of this this deadly detrimental form of animal farming we have and then of course it has to go all the way up to factory farms these live animal markets are just part of that paradigm of this deadly destructive um, animal agriculture system we have that is literally killing the environment it's killing humans it's killing billions of animals even before this pandemic we all of us spoke often about the how animal agriculture was a detriment to all life on earth. And now we just have another added layer of pandemics, but there's so many reasons why we need to evolve away from animal agriculture and towards plant-based agriculture and do all we can to help facilitate that. Wow. I I just think you just nailed it. And I also want to say so many thoughts occur to me. There is also a pig virus right now in China and they've been reporting on that. And uh, it has jumped from pigs to humans. The question is, is it going to jump from humans to humans? And so right now, right now in China, there is a pig virus. And the idiocy of the human species, okay, pork, that's pig. They have developed a plant-based pork using compounds that mimic meat, that tastes exactly like it. Non-vegans who are finance reporters on cable news did a taste test and they said we can't tell the difference and yet we're going to expose the planet to a future pandemic all because people have it in their idea well if you don't kill the animal it's not real food which is the exact opposite of the truth if you kill the animal you're just killing an animal the real food comes from the food that the animals eat. That's where the nutrition comes from. Just eat around the animal. So you're nodding your head, uh, Renee, and I know you're not James Brink, but that's okay. That's your somebody. Your significant other. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, you know, when Abita was speaking, I was thinking about it. And it's all ties in. These earlier viruses, they keep reemerging, but what happens many times is they're what's called a reassortment. So then when uh, one or two viruses are combined in the same host, they can exchange DNA, and it's called a reassortment. And when some of these new HN, uh, highly, pathic, highly pathogenic avian influenzas happen, uh, that's how we get things like H7 and 9, and they become much more powerful ability to uh, destroy and, and uh, kill uh, so many more hosts. The mortality rate is stronger and the, the deadliness of it to the individual as well. And this swine flu, so earlier I was uh, thinking about the, the swine flu. H1N1 uh, was, you know, back in 2009, we had uh, this uh, swine flu come out. And now uh, the, there's also the reassortment with other uh, viruses added to it, and all of this comes together when, uh, you know, it just is like a, it's like a never-ending uh, series of the viruses, and that's why we've got to put a stop to it. Where we live, every person needs to take action, because uh, everybody that's listening here should be taking action at your local level. We've given you two venues right here with California and New York, but you know, you might be living in other cities and maybe an action hasn't started yet in your city. And, and, and you may know of these markets in your city that you can help to bring light so that we all can 
start start to stop this because it just gets worse. It's spiraling out of control. Yes, it's completely out of control, and it's a consumer issue. This is the irony. Now, Ellen Dent, uh, you can tell us a little bit about the pig investigation done by DXE. It followed uh, a slaughter truck from Utah, which picked the pigs up from where they were bred. I don't call it a farm. It's not a farm. Okay. It's a, and then take, take, take the pigs all the way to slaughter in California. And what does that show? What it, what did that undercover investigation reveal about the horrors of industrialized animal agriculture on a massive scale involving billions of animals? Uh, well, those activists were on the road following uh, one truck, and then uh, there ended up being more trucks that surrounded them while they were traveling. And uh, I mean, they went through over 100 degree weather, which you can imagine how hot it was on those trucks uh, for those pigs that were going through these like desert areas. They don't have any air conditioning, and they're piled on top of each other in most cases on these trucks. So uh, they literally followed them for over 500 miles uh, to the slaughterhouse. It's only 10 minutes from downtown Los Angeles, where we've been hosting vigils for over two years. And uh, LA Animal Save has also been hosting vigils there for over three years. And so we uh, went down there to support the action and, uh, you know, welcome the activists and and these pigs. uh, Oh, okay. Well, we lost you for a second. Let's go to a caller and then we'll come back. But boy, heroic work. Heidi, your question or thought. Heidi. Oh, hi, Jane. Thank you for taking my, uh, my uh, actually, my comment. It's not a, really a question. And thank but, you guys for your activism and all the work that you guys do. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was on Facebook and in one of my um, animal rights groups, there was a woman who was running another um, activism group, and she was explaining on there, and I wanted to know if you guys had heard about this, how the food system is actually rigged. And she was saying that without lobbyists in Washington, the, fa- the animal agriculture business obviously has hundreds of lobbyists in Washington who pay people off to look the other way. But what she was saying is, that let's take pigs for example, okay? And this is just a number I don't know. It's probably low-boiling it, but let's say one factory farm pr- produces sixty thousand pigs a year, okay? Even if one package of bacon was being sold, they would still meet that quota some way, shape, or form. You know what I'm saying? Like they would still breed into existence those animals, and anybody that doesn't go to slaughter, they get uh, kickbacks from their insurance company and from the government, um, which I was horrified. I mean, I know that that goes on, obviously, but to know that no matter how much uh, animal products are being sold, that they will still breed into existence the same amount of animals, no matter what. Yeah, it, listen, none of these, thank you so much for your comment, Heidi, and you really also got to the heart of this. None of these animals are making love on these factory farms. They are all raped into existence. In fact, one industry term, you can look it up, is called the rape rack. They're literally 
a fist goes in there and inseminates and it's it's disgusting it's sexual abuse in fact there's a bill to try to you know it's illegal to sexually abuse animals because there's some sick people out there that sexually well guess what how do you think they get the sperm they masturbate the animals this is the truth and nobody wants to hear it. Oh, it's disgusting. That's, a, that's, a, you know, you have news anchors when people try to discuss this on mainstream television. Um, a cup, there were, there was an effort in England to discuss, uh, there was, there was an ad placed. Okay. And uh, the ad was done by somebody's uh, plant-based uh, operation of some sort that little girl says, daddy, I don't want to eat this. It's, it's, a, it's an animal. And he said, okay, honey, I'll make you some plant-based food. Really pretty commercial and it sparked outrage and the meat industry became outraged and then they did a debate and the person who was promoting the ad said well you know they slit their throats and and the anchor says that's inappropriate and she's like but but that's what they do that's what they do hello and it's like this this fairy tale that we're told that we need to um believe in that's called brainwashing. When you are forced to believe a fairy tale, you are, a, you are just a, a slave to the system. These animals, the males are masturbated and, they, and then humans inseminate, rape the females, then they abduct the babies away from the mothers and then they kill them all. I covered crime for 38 years. I was a crime reporter. It's a rape, abduction and murder operation. And we invite anybody on the industry from the industry on to discuss this at any time. They, they all have reams of web links talking about how animal welfare is their top consideration when their entire industry is to kill animals. And, and so this, this inability for people to see this for what it is, is maddening. And, you know, it reminds me of other social justice movements where people are told, oh, no, those persecuted people like it that way. They're being treated so well. And there's even books and movies that are, are, that are created that romanticize their horror. This is why, for example, movies like Gone with the Wind have been revisited and condemned and then you realize this is a propaganda film. Sorry, but it's true. Uh, and so a propaganda film for a hateful system, for an oppressive system. Progress means discarding things that are not good. That's a lot about progress. So um, we've got another caller. Uh, James, your question or thought. James. Oh, yes. Hi, I was wondering... Um this is like very important information that people know of the, the relationship of factory farms and the possibility of another pandemic. Um, do you know what is the best source of information that I can give to people? Or they can they can find out. Would it be like Neil Barnard's talks, or um, I just want to let people know about this so that you know this information spreads. I'll let Adita uh, handle that one. Um, yeah, thank you for calling. And I think your suggestion, you mentioned Neil Bernard, and he is the head of the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, otherwise known as PCRM. I think that organization puts out such great science-based information, and they are an organization of medical doctors. And I know that that can matter to people that are maybe outside of the animal rights movement because it has more legitimacy. 
Um, and they really have been very outspoken and um, very helpful in the effort in New York and California to shut down these live animal markets. So Neil Bernard is uh, a hero. PCRM is a great source of information because like I said, it is science-based. They are a doctor-based organization and they are going by the science of the dangers of factory farming, of live animal markets, of the wildlife trade, of all of this. So that's definitely, in my opinion, a great source. Absolutely. And uh, I have to say, PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, um, and uh, I want to give a shout out to Social Compassion and Legislation, by the way, which is working on a lot of legislation here in California and in New York to shut down the wet markets and to, uh, across the board um, reduce animal cruelty and promote plant-based, cruelty-free lifestyle. Um, there's, I got to give myself a shout out, Jane Unchained. We have janeunchained.com. We have thousands of videos. We do a daily vegan cooking show for the last four, well, ever since Facebook was invented, approximately four years ago, uh, Facebook Live is what I mean. And uh, we do a daily, we've never missed a day. Christmas, uh, Hanukkah, New Year's Eve, we do our cooking show. Guess what? In all that time, without any coordination, we've never repeated a recipe. Without any coordination, because that's the, the versatility. When you're dealing with vegan food, you're dealing with tens of thousands tens of thousands of vegetables, fruits, nuts, and grains. When you're dealing with meat, you're dealing with six animals. There's more variety and more adventure and more fun in plant-based cooking. And, you know, we're not telling everybody, okay, tomorrow morning, wake up. Sure, we love that. But you can transition there. You can transition by incorporating more fruits, vegetables, nuts, and grains into your life and just start ordering it. The pandemic is a perfect time. The pandemic is a perfect time to start bringing in these foods. I must point out that Beyond Meat Burgers and Impossible Burgers, and you can get Beyond Meat Burgers at Costco. I just ordered them yesterday. Uh, you can get them at Sprouts, at Whole Foods, at every market pretty much. And Impossible has Gelson's, blah, blah, blah. They're all over the place. They are untouched by human hands. They are completely automated when these patties are made. So you don't have to worry about some worker who has COVID-19 sweating onto the meat. It's plant-based meat. All right, we're going to take a short break. We've got other callers. Thank you for Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America in Influencers Channel. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get 
guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right, we're talking about wet markets, slaughter markets, slaughterhouses, the COVID-19 pandemic, why we're here in this mess. If you're feeling uh, like, oh my God, either financially, health-wise, psychologically stuck because of this pandemic, know that you have it in the power to transform your lifestyle and just get rid of the dead animals on your plate and the uh, breast milk of cows. And um, you can, if everybody did that, we could ensure that we would not have any more pandemics. As it stands, we have to realize that we're not just mere victims in this situation, we're participants, and we have to own up to our part in it. And our part in it is that we have been thoughtlessly co-signing the deaths of, well, the average person, I think, kills 10,000 animals in their lifetime just to eat, and there's a price to be paid, and we're paying it now. So, um, uh, we've got a caller, uh, Paige, your question or thought, Paige. Yes, good morning. I want to say I read a Bloomberg article that came out, I believe, yesterday, and it talked about um, how the various uh, large animal slaughterhouses and plants are making, um, they're doing their best, And but the bottom line was one of the uh, heads of one of the companies said, essentially, spread out, how? And I just wanted to say, you know, then I at the same at the same token I read the Woodstock Sanctuary has put a call out to farmers to um, they've created a coalition apparently in New York and I wanted to ask Adita about this um, yeah. to, to yeah. basically we will rescue your animals. Um, so I just wanted to put the I, I'm looking for solutions to to share with people. Um, you know, people turn to me and I say, okay, stop eating the animals. And as Renee had pointed out, you know, it's a, it, or I'm sorry, one of the callers pointed out, it's a lobbying situation. What can we do as activists? Um, and I'm addressing straight to Adida about, you know, the, the farm, the call to the farmers and to each one of you. What can we do as activists at this point? Okay, this is wonderful. I want to give Ellen a chance because she's back now. So, Ellen, you can also address this. Then we'll go to Adida. Um like exactly what activists can do yeah. to help with the situation. Uh, basically anything, uh, you know, find your most comfortable, best form of activism and do it. You know, it's great that people uh, don't eat meat or animal products, but it's so important to get out there and get active. And even if you're not getting out there, especially during this time when it's so dangerous uh, with the current pandemic, uh, to just get online. You know, Jane always talks about the power of the Internet. You know, whether you have, you know, 100 followers or 100,000 followers, 
you know, you never do know who you could reach just by sharing a post. And I've had people come back to me later after seeing posts on my Facebook or on my Instagram and, and letting me know that their whole family went vegan just because I opened up their eyes with just sharing a post. So um, you don't have to get out there. I mean, it's great if you get out there. It's great if you go to demos. It's great if you go to the same movement.org and, and go to vigils and invite people to come to vigils because vigils definitely make vegans. Um, but a oh, a vigil. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, the save movement, the animal save movement holds vigils uh, worldwide with over 700 groups at live markets and slaughterhouses where they bear witness, um, something called bearing witness, which means coming as close as, as they can to the victims of animal agriculture and doing whatever they can to provide them comfort and also to document what they're going through and share that with their you know followers these people that go to the vigils vigil goers do this in order to help open up the eyes and minds of other people to what is happening what animal agriculture does not want you to see from behind the scenes and it's such important work um so i, I really suggest that everybody go to a vigil if they can even if it's just one it's a absolutely life-changing experience and to go through. Stomach going to a vigil, then you shouldn't be able to stomach eating animals. And that is the truth. We need to start aligning our values with our actions. So Adita, take it away. Uh, Paige had a question for you. Yes. Yeah, so the uh, there was a coalition that was formed um, during the pandemic. It's still active. Woodstock Sanctuary has put a public call out about this. So a coalition of farm sanctuaries came together and are reaching out and putting it out there that if there are any farms, any farmers that because of the pandemic have to kill off animals or as they call them, depopulate them, they want these places to surrender the animals to this coalition of farm sanctuaries. Um, instead of just killing the animals. So I know that that's been underway. And if anyone who's listening knows of any farms or farmers that would be willing to do this, the email for this is farmoutreach at woodstocksanctuary.org. Farmoutreach at woodstocksanctuary.org. Um, that is the uh, coalition email for that, which I think is an incredible initiative. Um, if we could save some of these animals and they could kind of be ambassadors to... Uh, the public to talk about why we have to end animal agriculture, that would be fantastic. And just to, to add on to the question before, I think, you know, activism is so important. It's the basis of all change, really, in our society with every social justice movement. But the political side of things, which is, you know, my organization, Class, does both. We do um, on the ground activism and political action and legislation. Oftentimes, without the legislation, we can't make these changes because it has to be done through uh, legislation. So that's what we're working on in New York. And um, we need to get everyone get involved with organizations that are trying to make legislative change. And if there isn't one in your area, consider starting um, an initiative, get others to join. We need that everywhere. You know, not just doing the right thing. It's doing the right thing at the right time, at the opportune time, catching the wave. Right now, the mm -hmm. coronavirus is the time to shut these wet markets, these retail slaughter markets, and the big ones down. Um, the politicians, and I can ask both of you this, all three of you, had pretty much ignored this issue. They had protests against uh, retail wet slaughter markets in New York City and in California for decades. I've attended them on both coasts. 
ignored by the politicians. But now, now that there's a human health concern and everybody's kind of connecting the dots between the zoonotic diseases, the pandemics, and seeing that, hey, these, whereas, you know, SARS also was first spotted in a wet slaughter market in another province in China in the early 2000s. So now, is this the opportunity of Renee Rowland? I'm so glad you asked. Well, besides just passing the legislation, we actually need to elect the officials into office that are going to do that. And so that's one of PAWPAC's niches is that we do a humane scorecard on our California statewide officials, and then we prepare endorsements. You can also find those on our website at pawpac.org so that you can vote for those legislators. And there's, an, you know, in this coming election, uh, we only do California. So we'll, we'll give you a list for every district. It shows you how to look it up. And, and then we want those legislators in office because they're the ones that will write the legislation and vote for it to pass it. Don't forget that element in, in it. Okay. Yes. Uh, Ellen Dent. Uh, I mean, you're only a few clicks away from helping so many animals. Uh, just go to pawpack.org. I did it myself. It was literally about three clicks. And you're able to submit a, a comment to the city council in Los Angeles. And I don't think it even matters where you are. Um, just submit that comment and, and you can help shut down these markets here. You can help influence actual legislation right from home. And it's so easy. They make it so easy for you on that website. And what about New York, Adita? Yeah, I think, you know, if we could pass this legislation for everyone listening, if you live in New York or if you know people, look, we have 8 million people just in New York City alone. Imagine if half of those people actually picked up the phone, sent an email to their state rep. We could pass this legislation in a week. So any everyone watching, if you live in New York, not just New York City, this is a statewide bill. You could live way upstate, way in western New York, anywhere you live in New York, you have a state assembly member and a state senator, um, call them up, email them, urge them to co-sponsor the bill. I'll give you the, the bill number right now. The assembly bill is 10399. The Senate bill number is 8291. You can also find this in information at nyclass.org, nyclass.org. Yeah. But we are in a crisis. This is what this whole, whole show has been about. If we could pass just one piece of legislation to shut these places down in New York, I know that this would create a domino effect around the country, around the world. This would be remarkable. So we are doing everything we can to pass this legislation. So please, everyone listening, help us pass this bill. The three people here, Alan, Renee, and Adita, work around the clock, literally, to try to wake the world up that there is a solution to these pandemics and all sorts of other issues related to animal agriculture, climate change, habitat destruction, wildlife extinction, human world hunger, human disease. Uh, it is the leading destructive force in our world today. And these heroes, and you are all my heroes, each each of you do so much, so much. Um, let's help them out. All we have to do is go to newyorkclass.org. That's N-Y-C-L-A-S-S, -S, like a New York class, newyorkclass.org, and pawpack.org, P-A-W-P-A-C.org. Sign those two respective um, 
efforts to get legislation to close the wet markets. And also please support Animal Alliance Network run by the amazing Ellen Dent, who uh, does so much to wake people up to the horrors of animal agriculture. And not just the horrors, the fact that there is on the other side a whole fabulous world. We have a lot of fun, right? Right, ladies? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Jane. Yeah, we only have a couple of seconds left, but I want to say that it's not a sacrifice. It's an adventure, and we have to do it. Otherwise, we literally could be facing human extinction if we allow animal agriculture to continue to warm the planet, if it's too hot to support human life, if it turns out to be 150 degrees out there on a daily basis, which it is hitting in some parts of the world, 140 degrees in in occasion, you know, it's just going to be too hot for us to to function. So let's get smart, people. Let's uh, operate in our own self-interest. Let's transition to plant-based. Look at us. We're here, right? We're not we're not like wilted. We're 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 healthy, healthier statistically than the general population. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Voice America Radio, Tacey Trump, our executive producer, and Andrew for uh, allowing us to have this important discussion. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. 